Welcome to the Conscious Mental Health Podcast for mental health professionals who are always learning. The Conscious Mental Health Podcast is a series of diverse educational resources for mental health professionals sponsored by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond using a conscious, experiential, and evidence-based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. We believe continuing education is an essential aspect of mental health care that is ever evolving and changing, just like the communities we serve. The CMH podcast is part of our efforts to increase access to modern experiential knowledge across all stages of a clinician's career. We share engaging conversations with skilled therapists, multidisciplinary experts, and advocates committed to thinking outside the box using an integrative approach. Our episodes are similar to our training style in that you receive research-informed content and guided practices, news updates, and other segments to support you in your personal and clinical practice. This podcast is intended to provide information as a resource and is not a substitute for mental health treatment, medical advice, or professional training. And the statements and views shared by the guest are their own. Welcome. I'm Juniper Owens, Director of the Academy of Integrative Mental Health and your host for today's episode. And for this new season, we've decided to categorize our special topic episodes into two different categories, the deep end and the shallow end. On our deep end special topic episodes, we're going to get into the nitty gritty. We're going to really get complicated. We're going to uh, get very detailed into these topics. And they're usually going to be about, I don't know, an hour or longer. And in our shallow end episodes, we're going to discover the basics of these topics and usually in around, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes. That's the hope, at least. Today, we're going to do an episode in the shallow end all about algo speak. And we're going to explore this intriguing phenomenon that's silently reshaping our online interactions, our communication, and even our culture. So let's dive right on in. Well, actually, since we're only venturing into the shallow end today, let's slowly tiptoe and get ankle deep. Unfortunately, I'm a bit of a latecomer to the world of current slang and internet trends. I only recently figured out what no cap means, seriously, and I also have to Google it like once a week because I always forget. And I just learned about spilling the tea, for example. That's how late I am. And I started hearing the term unalived and usually referring to any discussions around death, whether it's related to suicide or murder. And my interest was Swimming in this water could unalive you. As a mental health professional and teacher, I couldn't help but wonder why this term was gaining traction. Upon further investigation, I discovered that many of my friends and colleagues were also using the term unalived. When I asked them why, they explained that they had heard others using it and assumed it was now the preferred term. 
some thought it might be less stigmatizing or less activating for some individuals. However, as I dug deeper, I realized that unalived was primarily a way to evade content moderation algorithms rather than a wildly accepted term. This led me to contemplate how social media with its algorithms influences our language and in turn shapes our world views. Language is a dynamic aspect of culture, and as a mental health professional, I appreciate the importance of inclusive language that reduces shame, stigma, and oppression. We advocate for phrases like died by suicide over committed suicide to remove the outdated criminal connotations. One of my supervisees introduced me to a phrase calling you in instead of calling you out to encourage collective dialogue and curiosity over individualistic blame. Language serves as the lens through which we perceive and interpret the world. Language is grounded in our way of thinking and processing information, which is itself universal among humans. So languages and cultures are superficial, but language and cognition run deep. But this isn't the only way to look at language. What if the language we are brought up to speak actually relates to the way we look at reality? From this perspective, a language is a particular way of conceptualizing the world and has close ties to culture. In the 1930s, Benjamin Lee Whorf talked about language this way. He argued that different languages represent different ways of thinking about the world around us. Linguists and anthropologists have long studied the intricate forces that mold these crucial communication systems. Interestingly, in our evolutionary past, we learned from prestigious individuals and those who violated moral norms for our community's benefit. However, when algorithms amplify information and people exploit it for self-promotion, prestige loses reliability. Social media gets flooded with negative content, causing conflict instead of cooperation, which has been termed functional misalignment. This misalignment distorts perceptions. Algorithms amplifying extreme political views lead to false polarization and increased political conflict. Functional misalignment also fosters misinformation spread as strategic use of moral and emotional content in posts designed to provoke outrage leads to more sharing. Prioritizing moral and emotional information inadvertently amplifies misinformation. This is your real-life social circle. Family, friends, classmates, coworkers. Many of these people are likely from a similar background as you and have a similar worldview. But your social news feed takes that to a new level. Facebook's algorithm promotes the types of posts that you like and share, and it hides away posts that put you off or that you don't interact with. This means you're unwittingly surrounding yourself with more people and news sites that just confirm your pre-existing views. This is called an echo chamber. It means you're only seeing ideas from people and media outlets who agree with you. And I'll let you in on a secret of social video and news. A lot of the new media industry is built off of the social share, and the easiest way to win that share from you is to confirm and vindicate your views. 
That's led to a boom in the number of news sites that push out clearly biased and sensational headlines. They know you'll like it and that you're likely to share it. So what are some of the ways our language, thus worldview and behavior, is shaped by social media? Introducing the behind-the-scenes conductor that quietly shapes our world from our social interactions to how we connect, controlling access to information, driving economies, sneakily influencing culture, and even charting our future path. It's none other than dun, 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 the algorithm. Yeah. As I immersed myself in the world of YouTube over the last few years, I discovered a whole new language, which many people refer to as algospeak. Algospeak consists of code words employed to invade AI content moderation algorithms that flag user content for violating platform rules or being sensitive in nature. Algorithms have a significant impact on our culture. They not only help distribute and evaluate information, but also affect how institutions and media industries share and shape cultural content. Many news sources began to pick their spot along the liberal to conservative continuum and the continuum of presenting complete facts all the way to complete information fabrication. And with all of these vying for our very limited attention, we moved from a model where news could be assumed to be inherently truthful and unbiased to one which enabled fake news. You know, fake news, those false stories with the intent of influencing our, uh, our opinions and beliefs and are presented as facts. Yeah, those ones. Well, because of this, instead of news being the product, our attention became the product in the form of views, clicks, and likes. This conversation explores how these algorithmic processes become like cultural objects, getting woven into our discussions about culture and who it's meant for. They also become topics of debate both for what they do and what they reveal. So it's not just about how algorithms shape our culture. It's also about how they become a part of culture themselves. And if we look historically, we have relied on tools and technologies to become who we are. Um, so from being cavemen, right, we relied on all sorts of technologies to be where we are today, using our social media, using our cell phones. And so this is a, what we call a co-constitutive kind of relationship, which means that we construct the technology, but the technology also constructs us. We become what the technology allows us to become. We're going to focus on language in this episode, specifically algospeak, and what mental health professionals could be mindful of. So let's start with some common algospeak words or phrases, in case you are not aware, like myself, because I was 100% not aware of most of these terms. Um, by the way, I'm just going to say the flagged words because I don't think they're as heavily moderated on podcast, at least, I don't know, question mark. And also our YouTube and podcast channels are not yet monetized. And frankly, I just don't really want to use language that is not in line with our professional standards. And as we are primarily an educational organization, 
Of course, it could completely backfire and no one could ever see and or hear this. But for now, I'm just going to say the words. So I found a chart compiled by the authors of an article in the journal Social Media and Society entitled, You Cannot Say What You Want, Using Algo Speak to Contest and Invade Algorithmic Content Moderation on TikTok. So this chart has more info than I'm going to be sharing here, but I will link the article so you can view it in its entirety if you want. It includes lots of emojis. It's really interesting. So let me just go through a few of these. Now, what was interesting was that COVID-19 pandemic seemed to have the most kind of code words around it, which makes sense because spreading COVID-19 pandemic misinformation was dangerous and could could really harm lives. So here's some of the words. I, I don't know. Panini. Okay, that makes sense. Pandemic, pandini, pan, panorama, then Panda Express. And for some odd reason, Backstreet Boys reunion tour. Someone please tell me how that relates to the pandemic. Backstreet Boys reunion tour. Um, Unalive, which stands for suicide, kill, or murder, like we discussed earlier. Segs or schmecks equals sex. Not C-N-O-T-S-E-E equals Nazi. And I guess that's for just written content. Q-Anon, C-U-E, Anon for QAnon. Clock app equals TikTok, apparently. Corn or the corn emoji could stand for the porn or adult industry. Cornucopia could equal homophobia. Leg booty could equal member of the LGBTQ community. Lay dollar bean stands for lesbian. Accountant, sex worker. S-A, sexual assault or sexual abuse. Camping or going camping is having an abortion. Ninja or the ninja emoji could stand for derogatory terms and hate speech towards the black community. Spicy eggplant could mean vibrator. Swimmers, vaccinated people. YT, white people. Saltines, also white people. Opposite of love, hate. So on TikTok, the unalive hashtag has gained significant popularity with nearly 10 million views and unalive me has over 1 million. The content varies from personal stories about mental health struggles to uplifting advice or even humorous takes on minor inconveniences. Algolspeak has even made its way into merchandise. Vendors on platforms like Etsy and Redbubble sell stickers and hoodies featuring phrases such as quote, unalive me, or I'd rather be unalive, often with cheerful models smiling, wearing them. As we discuss major events through algorithmic content delivery systems, language evolves. For instance, during discussions about the invasion of Ukraine, the sunflower emoji is used to symbolize the country. Euphemisms are particularly prevalent in radicalized or harmful communities. Pro-anorexia eating disorder communities have adopted modified words to evade restrictions, with the complexity of these variants increasing over time. Anti-vaccine groups on social media have also changed their names to dance party or dinner party, while referring to vaccinated people as swimmers. I'm sorry, but those terms don't connect. Uh, I'm confused. Please, someone again. I'd love to learn about the how these terms like came about, or like the... um. The origin story of dance party or dinner party to refer to uh, anti-vax groups. 
Anyway, that's for a deep dive, I guess. Conversations about women's health, pregnancy, and menstrual cycles on TikTok often use alternative words or symbols, replacing sex, period, and vagina. Some users even say nip-nops instead of nipples. Black, trans, and other marginalized communities frequently use algospeak to discuss oppression, often substituting words like white or racist. In some countries with heavy content moderation, people have developed entirely new dialects as a form of resistance. So what's the significance of algospeak and why should mental health professionals pay attention? Well, it all ties back to the content you encounter on social media platforms. Has anyone else noticed that your For You page has been a little too accurate lately? It hasn't been things that I'll Google or I talk about. It's been thoughts. TikTok knows everything about us. Hold up, don't scroll. Let me ask you something first. Can someone please explain how this algorithm works? TikTok users often wonder how the world's fastest growing social network seems to know them so well. TikTok's secretly listening to us while we're watching videos. I don't know. So the content you see isn't random. It's carefully curated to keep you engaged and scrolling for as long as possible, leading to more ad exposure and revenue for the platforms. Algorithms play a crucial role in this process, amplifying content that sustains engagement. We've all been there. You see, the good and the bad of YouTube is that it serves up videos you probably wanna watch. That's not magic, it's because of algorithms. Algorithms are the set of instructions that decide what content you see and in what order it's listed when you search online. And these algorithms are not unbiased code just handing out useful and factual information. They are designed by people and they're made to suck you down a rabbit hole suggesting more and more that'll just keep you watching. Why? They're not smiling evilly twirling their mustaches as you procrastinate on your homework. It's because YouTube's business model depends on your eyes staying on their videos and the ads they sold for as long as possible. And YouTube's business model is slang. In the US, almost 75% of adults use it. And if you're under 25, you're probably on it every single day. Too bad that business model isn't worried about whether or not you see the most accurate information. In fact, YouTube's algorithms tend to recommend you stuff that just reinforces what you already like or believe. Facts are not their biggest priority. It's you staying and watching. As social media users increasingly interact in algorithm-controlled environments, language becomes a vital tool for communication. Algorithms determine which messages, people, and ideas you see. The consequences of this are significant as algorithms shape our culture and worldview in ways we may not fully realize. While the eggplant emoji and words like unalive are seemingly harmless and in some cases empowering to people who otherwise are not able to talk about commonly censored topics, the implications and context of algorithm shaping culture likely are having effects that are going unnoticed, especially in the mental health arena. Is the world in danger of automating racism? All kinds of structural inequality are reflected in our AI systems. It's because you're being subtly manipulated by algorithms that are watching everything you do constantly and then sending you changes in your media feed, in your diet that are calculated 
to adjust you slightly to the liking of some unseen advertiser. According to cognitive liberty advocate Nita Farahani, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correct, professor of law and philosophy at Duke Law School and author of The Battle for Your Brain, this poses a threat to our cognitive liberty. The right of the individual to control their own mental processes, cognition, and consciousness. I had not heard the term cognitive liberty, but damn, it's compelling. I, for one, prefer to be in control or at least aware of my own mental processes, cognition, and consciousness. And we support and empower our clients to do so as well. For me, awareness is key. Now that I know why I hear new, to me, words and phrases and why they exist, I have better understanding of the context and how or when I might use those words or how to respond to and discuss them with clients. Being aware of how algorithms influence language and communication is essential for mental health professionals who want to stay up to date on what environmental factors are influencing our clients, as well as how they influence our own worldview, which could come into play in our sessions. It just does. What do you all think? Are there any words or phrases I missed? How do you think this phenomenon is affecting your client's mental health and well-being? We'd love to hear more about your thoughts on this topic, or if you've heard words that you just started using because you just thought that you were supposed to be using them without even wondering why, or maybe thinking that uh, the information that you're receiving in social media is maybe just not as heavily influenced by the algorithm phenomenon. We'd love to hear. Thank you so much for tuning in to this short dive episode all about AlgoSpeak. Please, please, please like and share our episode if it was meaningful to you. If you think that you have any colleagues that might be interested or clients even because our information is for mental health professionals and beyond. You can also check out our website, www.academyimh.com, if you would like to check out any of our on-demand courses or any of our upcoming live courses, which we've got some pretty cool things coming up. Thank you so much. 